We'll, have, we'll break bread after this. Sam, you'll be so highly influential in this land. And I'll tell you why. Because you have this uh, annoying consistency. Really, annoyingly consistent. Just won't let go. Just will keep doing the same thing again and again and again. And you're going to be so highly influential in this land. And um, so I don't know what you're studying for, but head towards um, bureaucracy. It's a dirty word, but you can make it better. As in, end up... Um, end up helping people in government make good decisions. Yeah? So I'm not saying go stand for elections or stuff like that, because you're not corrupt enough. <laughs> but you have the ability to influence those that are in power. And uh, be annoyingly persistent as you are. Um, I know you're too young, but you'll remember these words. The woman you meet and that you will marry will love your annoying persistence. She won't be someone who's looking for a guy who's going to go bungee jumping. But she will. this will be the one quality she'll really like about you. That here is a guy who is so uh, not picky, not perfectionist, not finicky, but so um, studied about things you do. It's a brilliant quality, man. I don't have it. And uh, because of that, you'll find your domain just increasing continuously. Because the one thing that makes God increase what you manage is your faithfulness. And you have that in trumps. How old are you? Uh, Nuts, man. How do you get it at 16? Guys, so today we uh, continue with uh, Kingdom. Um, and uh, if you want a title for the topic, it's Functional DNA. Uh, I know it sounds fancy, but it's really not. Functional DNA. Functional DNA. And all that means is, what is it that causes a kingdom to function? What are the essentials? Functional DNA. That's the title. So we continue with the idea of Kingdom. And uh, we tried defining kingdom last week. Uh, I don't know if you remember, but we said that the kingdom is the rule, the control, the rule, the control, the influence of the king of the universe. The rule, the control, the influence of the king of the universe over his domain, over his domain. Why? Because he wants to impact. Um, he wants to impact his domain with his will, with his purpose, with his victory, with his intent. And in the process, he begins to produce here on earth. He begins to produce here on earth a culture values, lifestyle that displays his glorious nature 
and his desire for his people. That's what we said it was last time. That the kingdom is the rule, the control, the influence of the king of the universe over his domain. In our case, the king rules everything. And why does he do this? Because he wants to impact his domain with his will, with his purpose, with his victory, because there is things to subdue, with his intent. Dot your I's and cross your T's always, guys. Um, with his will, purpose, victory, intent. And in the process of doing that, he, in the process of using his rule and control and influence to do that, he begins to produce here on earth a culture, values, and a lifestyle amongst his people that displays his glorious nature and displays his desires. And it's always expressed through a people that he prepares. So we talked about that last time. And so this time we want to look at, okay, so what's the functional DNA of the kingdom? As in, what is it that um, allows the kingdom to uh, work well amongst us? We are the ones who need functional DNA. What is it that will help us live the kingdom very normally in life, where you can be in any situation and you know the keys that make this kingdom work in our midst? So that's what we look at. So the kingdom has keys. The kingdom has keys. The kingdom has keys. Matthew 16, 19 talks about it. The kingdom has keys. In Matthew 16, 19, um, Peter stumbled upon it. But we are not supposed to stumble on it. It's all been provided for us. Uh, what do you mean kingdom has keys? Okay, so you come here. Let's assume this building is a kingdom. You can't enter if you don't have keys. And so the first key that is given to anybody who wants to enter and function in this kingdom is that unless you be born again, unless, and there are three, I mean, just look at, just look at the, just that bit. Four things that you have to keep in mind if you want to even be just participating at the entry of this kingdom. One, you have to be born again. Two, you have to be born of water and of spirit. Yeah, fire. Born of, you have to be born again. You have to be born of water and the spirit. You have to be like a little child. Otherwise, you cannot enter the kingdom. So these three are just basics. And four, you have to realize that the kingdom of God is in your midst, even though you cannot see it. And we'll talk about it later. These are the four simple keys just for entry. Peter took it a step further when he was the first man on the face of the earth, the first man in the universe, to look at Jesus and say, you are Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the one who is the son of God that we have heard about through our prophets all this time. First man on the face of the earth. What does that do for him? Suddenly, Jesus says to him, okay, since you made this discovery and had the audacity to speak it out, I will give you the keys to open and shut this kingdom. Once you begin to grasp some of the things that makes this king kingdom function, you'll be surprised at how well you can walk in it here and draw people to walk in it too. So the keys to the kingdom. Matthew 16, 19 talks about it. Tons of keys. We'll discuss some. It's too exhaustive. So when we are talking about keys, we are talking about the laws, the principles. Laws, the principles. And core truths. And core truths that aren't very difficult. And if we 
If we hold on to them, we'll function really well with them. And these then begin to anchor, they begin to ignite, they begin to fuel kingdom life. I mean, just think, if, if everybody got those, those three things together, that one of the keys to entry to the kingdom is I have to be born again. Two, I have to be born of um, water and spirit, and we can't go into defining that right now. Three, I have to be like a little child. Guys, even as we listen to this teaching, even as I'm teaching it, unless I teach it as a child who's understood it, and unless you receive it as a child, you will not benefit from these kingdom principles. I wanted to say it right off the bat, that I have to approach anything with regard to the kingdom as a child, not childishly, but as a child. And what do I mean approach things of the kingdom as a child? It means um, taking these truths and receiving them with sufficient awe, a sense of discovery, an obsession, with joy, trusting that these truths will affect you. This is how kids um, um, react, eh? I mean, I, I used to be very friendly with two kids who are now 35, and I would bring them things um, like nails, hooks, um, Lego pieces from under my bed, and I'd give to them and I'd spin a story about how this Lego piece fell off the space shuttle or stuff like that. And they would then take it, and there would be this awe, this sense of discovery, this obsession. It fell off a space shuttle. It fell off a space shuttle. And then trying to figure out where it fit on the space shuttle. And then the joy of it, and the receiving it with so much trust, which was wrong on my part. But with God, that won't happen. Yeah, but you get the point. But the thing is, that is how I must receive these truths. And we find it very hard to receive these truths like this, either because we come from a place of, yeah, I know this, or it comes from a place of, uh, I'm not sure this works. And so even I was, as I was writing these notes, I was telling the Lord, Father, I've got to come and teach this and receive it like a child. And once you discover uh, these keys, guys, and uh, we already know many of them, we're just trying to be intentional about it. Once you discover these keys, you'll find that you are able to appropriate you're able to appropriate the benefits of the kingdom, the privileges of the kingdom. You're able to appropriate the benefits of the kingdom and the privileges of the kingdom, and you're able to function well. And the great thing about this kingdom is that this kingdom exists for the sake of others. So the more you begin to appropriate benefits, privileges, and functions, the more others benefit. That's the strange thing about this kingdom. Like I said earlier on, the church is the only organization that exists for the benefit of others. The church is the only organization in the world that exists for the benefit of others. This kingdom is the same. So every time I appropriate a benefit of the kingdom because I have started discovering new keys, new principles, new laws, and core truths like a child... As I appropriate benefits, privileges, and function, and function well in it, others benefit. And these principles, laws, and keys, God declared them, and they are unchanging. If you go to Ecclesiastes 8, Ecclesiastes 8, verse 
two to five. Um, hey, my niece is watching. Hi, Leah. Ecclesiastes eight, two to five. Obey the king's command. Because you took an oath before God. Do not be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Do not stand up for a bad cause, for he will do whatever he pleases. Since a king's word is supreme, who can say to him, what are you doing? As in, the intent of Ecclesiastes 8 is to let us know that the king's word is supreme. It cannot be changed. What he decides, what he says, that's it. And so, all these keys, laws, and principles are amen and unchanging. And so, you can... Um, stake your life on it and know that it'll work. I know you know that, but it is important to say that. The other thing about this is the kingdom and the king cannot be separated. The kingdom and the king cannot be separated. The kingdom and the king cannot be separated. Where, where the king is, there the kingdom is. Everything the king is, the kingdom is. Let me say that every, again. Everything the king is, the kingdom is. Everything the king is, the kingdom is. Where the king is, the kingdom is. Just ponder on that for a second. The kingdom and the king cannot be separated. Everything the king is. Is your king kind? The kingdom is kind. Is your king a healer? The kingdom heals. Is your king merciful? The kingdom is merciful. Is the king uh, someone who wants people in? The kingdom wants people in. Is the king uh, holy? The kingdom is holy. Is the king pure? The kingdom is pure. Is the king's ways right? Then the kingdom's ways are right. And so you can't be part of this kingdom and not be like the king because there's a disconnect there. And so everywhere the king is, the kingdom is. And, every, and everything the king is, the kingdom is. Everywhere the king is, the kingdom is. Now do you understand why it says in Luke 17, 21, where Jesus says to them, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Why is the kingdom of God in your midst? Because where the king is, there the kingdom is. Where is the king? Right here. Right here. Right here. And therefore he goes ahead and says, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Why? Because the king has arrived and where the king is, there the kingdom is. Everything the king is, the kingdom is. Whatever he says represents everything that the kingdom is supposed to do. You cannot separate them. What happened during the Crusades, which is still a sticking point in one half of the world, is that the king and the kingdom were separate. The king was benevolent, the crusade wasn't. The king was merciful, the crusades weren't. The king was about people, the kingdom was about land. And it got separated. Every time the church separates king and kingdom, we get a distorted, we get a distorted future. Because people remember. Any questions? Any questions, guys? Any thoughts? Okay. So let's look at some of these keys. The first one is uh, this king is Lord. And uh, it's not always the case, guys, with kings. With kings, uh, 
yeah, this king is Lord. Lord comes from a word, Kyrios. Let's just spell it this way for now, which means tyrant ruler. Only in this case, he is benevolent and not a tyrant. The, this king is Lord. He's, he's so absolute, so sovereign. And the only reason things are the way they are is just because he is merciful and kind. But if you remove mercy and kindness from him, then he becomes a tyrant. The word Kyrios or Lord means one who is a tyrant, one who rules absolutely. And this king rules absolutely. Where he's different from the actual meaning of the word is in that he is kind and he is merciful. And the only reason we are the way we are in this world right now is because his mercy waits and his mercy shows kindness. Can you imagine if I was God? You don't want to. There would be no maple leaves. There would be no Boston Bruins. To begin with. And then it gets worse from there on. So, go to Revelation 17, 14. Someone said the definition of eternity is the Canucks or the Leafs winning the Stanley Cup. Okay. Revelation 17, verse 4. Could you guys sit in the back row or something? Yeah. <laughs> Revelation 17, 14. They will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them. I love the next slide. Why will he triumph over them? Because he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and with him will be called, will be his called, chosen, and faithful ones. They will wage war against the Lamb, as in those that want to overthrow this king will wage war against the Lamb. But the Lamb will triumph over them. And they're not even calling him the Lion. They're going with the other part of him, the merciful, kind, slain, risen part of him. They're not going to the lion, absolute monarch, sovereign. No, they're saying the lamb will overcome. Imagine what the lion can do then. It's very deliberate there. They will wage war against the lamb. They're waging war against the lamb, not the lion. Because they wouldn't be able to stand before him. Aslan is something else. They'll wage war against the lamb, but the lamb will triumph over them. Why? Simply because he's the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And with him will he be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. You and I have the privilege of being his called, faithful, and chosen followers. We were called, we were chosen. Faithfulness is up to us. These are the privileges we have, guys. We don't reflect on this daily because circumstances take over. Psalm 24, verse 1 and 2. We're trying to establish how uh, this is such a key part of the functional DNA. And we understand the absolute sovereignty of this God over your life and over the earth. Though it doesn't seem so. This is, guys, you need DNA to function a certain way because everything else is screaming otherwise. Everything else is screaming otherwise. This is not the truth. And Then you go back here and say, this is the DNA of the kingdom. 
It helps you recapture what is invisible but real. Psalm 24, verse 1 and 2. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Like nothing is left out. Right? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world or the universe and all who live in it. And he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Like nothing lives unless he permits. Everything consists in him. Go to Hebrews 1. I love that verse. Hebrews 1 verse 3. Gosh, what kind of power is this? What will it be like to see him in reality? Hebrews 1.3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word, as in he sustains everything by his word. He, he, he makes things exist. He holds things in orbit by his word. Let's look at one more scripture. Um, Daniel 4 verse 34 this came from the mouth of a pagan king who thought he was something and then found out that he wasn't Daniel 4 34 this is the story of Nebuchadnezzar after he's restored At the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him, him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand and say to him, what have you done? I love that. Verse 35. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven. These are kings who knew the power of witchcraft, knew the power that existed. These are kings who grew up in the plains of Shinar, who knew what Nimrod had started and what continued. And these kings are now saying, after they've been brought down, that I know how he deals with the powers of the heavens and the peoples on the earth. There's such absolute sovereignty that once we grasp the key, we begin to see more of it. Yeah. The thing is, because we don't have these keys tied to our shoulder or in our pockets, we, 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 lose, we lose our sense of it. You know when Jesus says, I put the keys of David on you? There used to be this magistrate who was the one who would allow entry into the king's presence and exit from the king's presence. And he would have the keys on his shoulders as a sign of, this is government. This is what I carry. I, I decide who goes in and who goes out. I'm not even going through all the keys. I'll just go through some. And the more we get used to this idea, the more we will see an invisible kingdom. The more we get used to the idea, the more we see an invisible kingdom. It's like getting a new car. You never notice that there were cars like that on the road till you get that car and then everybody has that. Till then it was like rare and you go buy it and then everybody has it and they have it in the same color. Because suddenly now that you become aware of it, you notice it everywhere. 
I don't know if that happens with bicycles, but with cars it does happen. No way, just checking. Second key, the kingdom has a standard of conduct. The kingdom has a standard of conduct. The kingdom has a standard of conduct that cannot be amended. Of conduct that cannot be amended. Hey, even if I'm not here next week, um, I'll zoom in because you guys have gotten so used to me over the last 513 days that I don't want to uh, do this sudden thing where you're going to shock. So I'll be zooming and then eventually I'll um, move myself out. The kingdom has a standard of conduct. I'm always thinking of you guys. Kingdom has a standard of conduct that cannot be amended. That cannot be amended. So, uh, like I said, there can't be a disconnect between the king and the kingdom. And whenever there's a disconnect between the king and the kingdom, a future generation gets a distorted version. That's a sad thing, eh? You and I can practice a disconnect between the king and kingdom. And tomorrow, all those kids begin to get a distorted version. And then you'll have to wait another generation before it's corrected. And so, it has a standard of conduct that cannot be amended. Let's read some scriptures. Uh, most of these things you know, so I'm just going to read out one of these keys, and then you can go look at the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. I'm going to read it from the message. And then, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. Don't you realize that this is not the way to live? Unjust people who don't care about God will not be joining in this kingdom. Those who use and abuse each other, use and abuse sex, use and abuse the earth and everything in it, don't qualify as citizens in, the, in God's kingdom. A number of you know from experience what I'm talking about. For not so long ago, you were on that list. Since then, you've been cleaned up and given a fresh start by Jesus, our master, our Messiah, and by our God present in us, the Spirit. Now let's read it from the NIV. NIV is a little harsher, but it must be read uh, harsher. And uh, this is core truth, so let's not amend anything. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Very unmistakable here, eh? Okay, let's look at another verse. Romans 12, 1-2, you know this really well. But there is an expectation that those that say they are part of the kingdom behave like the king. Romans 12, 1-2, 1-2. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. So here's the thing, guys. Sometimes the dullness in figuring out the ways of God is simply because my body is not a living sacrifice. 
Not because my body is not a living sacrifice, because I'm not offering my body as a living sacrifice. Hear me again. Sometimes a dullness in knowing the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God is because I'm not offering my body as a living sacrifice. One cannot withhold one's body from being offered as a holy living sacrifice and yet expect at the same time that one will also figure out the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. It doesn't compute. Any questions? Yeah, so uh, a living sacrifice had to be blemishless, had to be pure, had to be without fault. Now that's impossible uh, for us uh, but that was what would be then taken as a living sacrifice in place before God. And so God is saying, hey, Jacob, um, I expect you to have standards that uh, cannot be amended. Where you fail, I will cover. But I do expect you to have standards that cannot be am amended. Because the king and the kingdom cannot be separated. So I want you to aspire, not aspire, I want you to desire and then discipline yourself to live by those standards. And when you don't, you shouldn't then expect that there will be no dullness in the way you function. Because the verse that comes up after is, do not be conformed to the world, be transformed in the renew by the renewing of your mind. And in the process, you will find out the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. The finding out of the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God is to an extent, dependent on the way I function with the king. Hey, Annette. Yeah, it's, I realized after I said, hey, Annette, that you were trying to sneak in. And then it was too late. Yeah. But since you have a mask on, nobody knows who you are. <laughs> Does that explain? Okay. Next one. Kingdom has sufficiency and provision. 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 These are keys of the kingdom. Jesus explained this. So please let us not come up with our own theories. Please. I was reading a book about... Um, um, stewardship that someone showed me and one of the lines in that was the, that we should not expect health and wealth from God but uh, uh, and a lot depends on how you define health and wealth but come on man I have a father he is God, he is king, he is Lord surely I can have reasonable expectations that I have of my physical dad I don't have to lower him below that, I'm not asking him to m make me wealthy enough to buy this church, though I wouldn't mind that, but <laughs> this kingdom has sufficiency and provision. Matthew 6 verse 31 to 33. Matthew 6, 31 to 33. So do not worry, what shall we eat, what shall or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and the, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
Go to Psalm 84, verse 11. I can give you a lot of scriptures, but I just am highlighting some so you know it exists. This is how the kingdom works. Psalm 84, verse 11. I love this. This is a song I learned in Bahrain in 1991. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Now to the verse. Psalm 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor. The Lord bestows honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. There's somehow a connection between how you conduct yourself and how you walk in this kingdom. There is a connection there. Any questions before we go on? This kingdom has sufficiency and uh, profound. Something's wrong with your buddy. Um, thank God for the board. Yeah. So, um, this kingdom has sufficiency and provision. Any questions, guys? Anything you want to add? You'll have to speak a little louder. Yeah, partly. And some of it is just the fault. Uh, th there are three or four good reasons for things that go wonky. One is, like you said, um, our separation from the king. Two, we have an active enemy. Three, the fallen nature of the world. Um, four, discipline, as in God's discipline. Five, tests and trials. So these are the five reasons why things go wonky. Uh, wonky is so not a Christian word. Things go sour and really bad. And so once we know which reason it is, it is easier to know how to deal with it. If you don't know the reason, then it becomes a problem. So you've got to figure out which reason which would keep us here till 2.30. Thanks, Danny. Um, next one. The kingdom has an economic system. The kingdom has an economic system. Does this work? It works. The kingdom has an economic system. The kingdom has an economic system with economic goals. Uh, and uh, it has ways to thwart satanic inflation and depression. I'm talking about economic now. It's got an elaborate system. And if you look at it, God's clearly outlined it. This kingdom has an economic system that thwarts and rebukes, that thwarts and rebukes the devourer, that thwarts and rebukes the devourer, that thwarts and rebukes the devourer. And it thwarts Babylon's approach. It has economic goals. So let's look at some scriptures. Luke 6, 38. 
Luke 6, 38. Luke 6, 38. It's got a system, and the system is very simple. Give, 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 give. I'm not talking about tithes and offerings. That's separate. I'm, he's just talking about this idea of giving. This kingdom is so giving that it's the, f- it's, uh, it's the favorite word in this kingdom when it comes to economics. Give. So, Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Give. That's Ron Kenoli. It's not Hillsong. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's look at another one. Malachi 3, 8 to 12. Malachi 3, 8 to 12. I believe giving trumps tithing and offerings. And so go for giving than tithes and offerings because you'll have to use a calculator for tithes and offerings. With giving, you don't have to. That's one good reason. There can be other good reasons too. Uh, Malachi 3, 8 to 12. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into my storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit because it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Guys, those that choose not to give to um, people, give to the house of God, uh, I hate calling it house of God, give to the family of God, or to God himself as an offering, will not be able to rebuke the devourer. The devourer will have a day with your finances. The thing with these keys, laws, and principles is you can use your mind and your theology and your Greek and your Hebrew to work its way around it. And at the end of the day, all you are is poorer with a smattering of Greek and Hebrew. So be it. Some things are so duh that we shouldn't spend time looking at the Greek and Hebrew of it. Sorry, I thought there was a question. Matthew twenty two twenty one. Yeah. Yeah, how you function in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And once these things become like solid in our lives, it's very natural to function naturally. Matthew twenty two twenty one. Matthew twenty two twenty one. Today is scripture day. Matthew twenty two twenty one. Love this. See this, you see what a system he's established. He's covered everything. Whose coin is, whose inscription is this? Caesar's. Well, Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. He's got everything covered. He's got his house covered. He's got people covered. He's got the government covered. He knows how we need to function. Why? Because he wants us to become his delivery mechanism here on earth. Can I make you my delivery mechanism? Can I use you to distribute my resources? But if you don't get these things right, you ain't no delivery mechanism. Your trigger is broken. I'll take care of you, 
I'll get you to heaven. That's about it. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 9. I love this one. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 9. Second Corinthians 9, 6 to 9. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. Do not give reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, Jacob, at all times, Acts 29, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And then one last one. Uh, look at the economic goal. Second Corinthians 8, 13 to 15. I know many of you practice this here in this church, and I love it when I hear stories. 2 Corinthians 8, 13 to 15. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, the one who gathered little did not have too little. I mean, I remember when I was super poor, how many of you helped me, man? So that there's an equal distribution of whatever you bring into the church. So that we just don't eat it ourselves, we don't consume it on ourselves. We distribute it around. Yeah, let me get back to what I was saying. I was distracted by St. Arbuck's. So, so <laughs> the thing is, I remember how much I benefited from guys sitting here in this church. Some of you knew me from Emmanuel Baptist. And your plenty supplied my lack, and I'm hoping my plenty is supplying some of your lack now. This is how it works. It becomes equitable. These are economic systems that God has established. Any questions before we go on? Next one. This kingdom has a standing army. This kingdom has a standing army, like locked, ready, loaded kind of an army, and they are invisible, but they're all around. And they are eager for a fight, and they're eager to minister, and they're eager to help, and they're flames of fire, and they're ministers uh, to the ones that are saved. Psalm 34, 17, or 37, 14. Um, the angels of the Lord encamp around those that... Um, Trust him. Psalm 91, verse 11. He'll give his angels charge over you so that you will not hurt your foot. There's a standing army. God only knows. It would freak you out if God opened your eyes and saw the number of times he had to intervene to keep you safe. You think it's your driving skills. I have sat with some of you. Trust me, it was not your driving skills. <laughs> if our eyes would be open, we would see the number of times the standing army was there. Cool kingdom, huh? Now you know why part of offering worship is saying, oh God, I thank you for the security of belonging to the king and kingdom. What a privileged class. It's almost unfair, which is why then it must be made fair which is another key of the kingdom, that in this kingdom there are ambassadors and they are sent 24-7 by the power and under the power of the Holy Spirit to display the king and to invite people into the kingdom. That's the next key, that 
there are ambassadors in this kingdom. If there's a standing army in this kingdom, there's an, um, there, there are ambassadors in this kingdom. And if you're wondering who that was, it's you. Where the idea is you're, you are sent 24-7. So May and Jane might be going to Vernon, so we prayed for them. But in his mind, it is like you're here for a little while, chill out in this embassy, and then go out and do exactly what May and Jane are going to do in Vernon. So the doxology is a sending out. The doxology is not a conclusion of the service. The grace of the Father and the marvelous partnership and one anothering of the Holy Spirit. And the, I don't know what the third one is. Let's just say the presence of Jesus Christ be with you as you go now. And then that is how this 24-7 sending happens. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself to Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world. Let's read it from the message. It really says it simply there. Verse 19 and 20. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We are Christ's ambassadors or representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We are speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. That's the message. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. And so... Kingdom has ambassadors. John 20, verse 21. And so Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And then he didn't stop there. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Because the sending is not potent without the Spirit of God. So you're sent in the power of the Spirit to represent the interests of the kingdom. You're sent in the power of the Spirit to represent the interests of the kingdom. Not represent the interests of Acts 29, not represent the interests of your hub, to represent the interests of, your, of the kingdom. You are sent 24-7 in the power of the Holy Spirit to represent the interests of the kingdom. Next one. This kingdom trains for service. This kingdom trains for service. As in it has its own educational system. So if you go to... And, and kings always had this, eh? Uh, if you go to Daniel 1. Daniel 1. 3 to 5. Uh, the king told Ashpenaz, head of the palace staff, to get some Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Young men who were healthy and handsome, intelligent and well-educated... Gosh, sounds like it's talking about me. Um, <laughs> the king told Ashpenaz, I've got to read it again, this is very flattering. The king told Ashpenaz, head of the palace staff, to get some Israelites from the royal family and nobility. Young men who were healthy and handsome, intelligent and well-educated, good prospects for leadership positions in the government, perfect specimens. Huh. 
and indoctrinate them in the Babylonian language and the lore of magic and fortune-telling. The king then ordered that they be served from the same menu as the royal table, the best food, the finest wine. After three years of training, they would be given positions in the king's court. Kings used to do this. They used to train people. You think this king won't? Everything that exists in the world is a counterfeit of the real kingdom. It's always an imitation. And so there is training for service. And you can't avoid this if you want to participate in the kingdom. So in John 14, 26, exists on many different levels. John 14, 26. The Holy Spirit trains. So in John, Holy, uh, in John 14, 26, it's the Holy Spirit who says, and Jesus says, uh, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. So the Holy Spirit teaches you. Go to Ephesians 4, 12. Ephesians 4, 12. And you need all these. Eh? You can't decide that, oh, all right, I'm only going to learn from the Holy Spirit. Because then the Holy Spirit will say, well, I'm only going to teach you through people. And then you're stuck. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. I love it when the Holy Spirit does that. Every time someone says, I'm going to learn from the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will say, I'm going to teach you through people. And you're stuck. And you don't understand why you're not moving further. Because you cannot learn only from the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So he teaches through people. And then let's take one more. 2 Timothy 2, 15. 2 Timothy 2, 15. And this is when you do your studying too. 2 Timothy 2, 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Where now you're trying to learn it yourself. So it's on three levels. Learn yourself. Brandon's been reading like crazy. Two, ask the Holy Spirit to teach you. Three, learn from walking with and under people. Remember, I've said this before. Obedience is learning under the word. Disobedience is learning around the word. Obedience is sitting under the word. Disobedience is walking around the word. That's how this works. That's the actual definition. Alrighty. Let's skip a few. Kingdom worship. Worship is a big deal in the kingdom. I don't know if you know this, but one of the reasons Pharaoh lost his firstborn was because he was preventing Israel from worshiping. Exodus 4.22. Moses goes and says, God says to Moses, Moses, I want you to go to say and, and say to Pharaoh, my people need to worship me. Let my people go. Mo Pharaoh says, I will not let them go. And God says to them, tell him, that he will lose his firstborn because he does not let you go to worship me. Worship is a big deal in this kingdom. And here's the reason it is a big deal. God says to Moses, listen, I want you to know that worship is your firstborn right. You are my firstborn. Israel, you're my firstborn. I've called you to worship me. If he does not let you go, tell him that I'll take his firstborn. 
And so, for whatever reason, in the church, we are not able to engage in it the way we want to, and men in particular find it more difficult, which shouldn't be the case. But it is a, it is a key component of functional DNA of the kingdom, and I don't mean just with music. And so look at what Pharaoh does. Eh? Pharaoh says to him, in Exodus 10, you see this happening from verse 14 to 28 or something. So Pharaoh says to him, all right, so since you're insisting and you've already sent hail, who do you want to take with you for worship? He wants a list of those that will worship. Pharaoh does everything in his power to hamstring worship. So first he says, uh, nah, uh, who are you going to take with him? Then uh, Moses tells him everybody. He says, no, uh, the men can go. But the women and the children have to stay. He won't let everybody go. Moses says, no. Then he says, okay, take the men and the women, but your flocks and herds have to stay. Moses says, no. He says, either all of us will go and all of us will worship God, or we will not. There is this intent even today. Hi, kick. Hi, kick. Um, yeah, I'm KK. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> hi. Hi. Go say hello to Coco. Pardon? Oh, she said, I'm Phoebe. Yeah, she calls me Jacob. Jacob becomes KK. Coco. Yeah. I'm so glad you're Coco and I'm not Coco, I'm KK. <laughs> Can you get her to go from KK to JK? Okay. It's better than? Yeah, it's better than that. Yeah, guys, so understand how critical this idea of worship is in the kingdom, eh? And uh, I'll tell you something. Every time you break loose through disciplining yourself to worship, what happens is pharaohs are slaughtered. You, you, I, can't, I can't make a clear logical connection, but I want to say this to you, that every time a believer breaks out of an inability to worship to a greater place of worship, and the only way you can do it through is through discipline. You can't do it through good music. You can't do it through a fast song. You can't do it through an inspired moment. It has to be a disciplined approach to worship. I will, because it has nothing to do with music to begin with. Every time a believer breaks out of an inability or, a, or the sluggishness of worship, pharaohs suffer loss. So every time you decide that I cannot connect, I don't want to open my mouth, and you go through that process, I'm telling you something, man. You're being hamstrung. Break out of it. He'll pay with his firstborn. I was fascinated to find out that that was the reason God wanted them out in the desert. You're my firstborn. You need to worship me. Let my people go. And if you don't, I'll kill your firstborns. And he tried his best not to let them go. And Moses kept insisting, we'll all go, we'll worship him with everything we have. If you don't allow us to worship us, him with everything we have, you'll have a problem. Ah, kingdom has presence. Kingdom has presence. This kingdom is so entirely about presence. This kingdom has presence. This kingdom is so about presence. Uh, 
or in another word, the Hebrew word used is panim. Panim means face, which means that this kingdom is about the face of God, and it is always present for New Testament believers. This kingdom has presence, man. If you get this part right, you'll get everything right. You get this part right, and if you learn how to cultivate this, through it, again, the word discipline is so not fun, but it's a critical part of uh, king and kingdom. If I can discipline myself to be um, subconsciously aware of his presence, not consciously aware, because that's too much effort, subconsciously aware, like you feel about someone you love, or you feel about your wife or your husband, even when you don't love them. Because there are days like that, but you're highly aware of them. Where that begins to happen, gosh, you got everything. Because here's what presence does eh, in the kingdom. Presence, and this is why it's such an advantage to others. Presence releases goodness. Presence releases glory. I call these the four Gs. Presence releases uh, government. And presence releases grace or favor. Show me your glory, O oh God. Will you, if your presence doesn't go with us, we don't want to go. Because it's only your presence that distinguishes us from all the people of the earth. Show us your glory. I'll show you my glory. But I'll also show you my goodness. As in, let me, when, when I become aware of the presence of God, the splendor of God begins to uh, display itself through me pretty easily. I mean, again, going to a hockey an analogy, when a team wins, when a team is in the semis, in the finals, what happens? People wear their um, uh, jerseys, the city is aware of it, they walk in the um, conscience, uh, conscious knowledge that today we've got to get home by 4 o'clock. Uh, apply for sick leave because the game starts at 4.30. Do whatever is necessary because you're highly aware of an event that is going to happen. The same thing happens with God. When people become highly aware of God, the display of God becomes very evident. His splendor displays easily when one becomes aware of presence. But the only way to become aware of presence is to walk in, to discipline yourself to it, which is, again, the problem, right? That word discipline, what an ugly word. And then goodness. Um, the presence of God always uh, allows you to experience the goodness of God. The presence of God, an awareness of the presence of God leads to an awareness of the goodness of God in all circumstances. Third, the presence of God brings into your circumstance the government of God. How, Jacob? Because where the king is, there his government or kingdom is. The presence of God brings in the government of God. In a storm, the presence of Jesus brings peace. In Gadarene, the presence of Jesus causes demons to scream out saying, why have you come to torment us? In a graveyard, the presence of Jesus causes Lazarus to come out. On the cross, the presence of Jesus causes the sky to turn dark. On the road to Damascus, the presence of Jesus knocks a man off his horse and changes the world. 
And finally, the presence of God gives grace and favor. Moses says, hey, if I have found favor in your sight, then let your presence go with us so that I may know your ways and I might lead these people in the way they should go. Favor and grace both come from a Hebrew word called kane, K-H-A-N-E. They mean the same thing. The demonstrated delight of God that is unmerited but poured out copiously on those that are his. Get this one right. This key is the key to all keys. This is the mother of all keys. What was Trump's favorite word whenever he wanted to explain things? I miss him, man. <laughs> it was like, yeah, this is amazing. This is just beautiful. This is just beautiful. He would always, there were certain adjectives, adjectives he used to use to describe everything. This, is, this key is like that. This is like, okay. Eh, I got to end, man. Let's do just one more. Kingdom has reputation. Kingdom has reputation. We'll end with that. Kingdom has reputation. As in, the reputation of the kingdom can be affected. The reputation of the kingdom. The, the reputation of the kingdom can be affected by the conduct of its citizens. Unfortunately, oh, terrible writing. The, rep the reputation of the kingdom can be affected by the conduct of its citizens. The reputation of the kingdom can be affected by the conduct of its citizens. Let's leave on that sobering note, eh? Second Peter two two. Second Peter two two. I'll read from the NIRV. Second Peter two two. Yep. Second Peter two two. Many people will follow their shameful ways. They will give the way of truth a bad name. Reading from verse one. But there were also false prophets among the people. In the same way, there were false teachers among you. In secret, they'll bring in teachings that'll destroy you. They'll even turn against the Lord and the Master who died to save them. His death paid for their sins. They will quickly destroy themselves. Many people will follow their shameful ways. They will give the way of truth a bad name. It is possible to give the kingdom a bad reputation. Well, the cool thing about God is that God has the... God sometimes, when people give the kingdom a bad reputation, here's what God does. He says, for my name's sake. And then he steps in. And he retrieves his name. Ezekiel 20, verse 39 onwards, he says, Guys, you have worshipped idols. You've done whatever you've wanted. You've uh, trodden my name in the mud. But for my name's sake, and because I am faithful, and because of the promise I made to your fathers, for my name's sake, so that it is not sullied, I am still going to be faithful, and I will bring you back. How he brings back? Sorry? Ezekiel 20... Ezekiel 20, verse 39 to 44. For my name's sake. So just remember that, eh? Did I say I was going to stop at this point? And you believed it? Okay. Ezekiel 20, 39 to 44. 
This last one is an easy one because you know it. Uh, kingdom decrees are legal writ. Kingdom decrees are legal writ. W-R-I-T. Kingdom decrees are legal writ. As in, if something that comes out of Logos or something that you know without a shadow of doubt is a rhema word from God, is decreed and it comes from the king. It is legal writ. It is binding. Psalm 149 verse 69. Psalm 149, 69. Psalm 149, 69. Beautiful. May the praise of God, may they praise God with their mouths. May they hold in their hands a sword that has two edges, as in the word. Let them pay the nations back. Let them punish the people of the earth. Let them put the kings of those nations in chains. Let them put their nobles in iron chains. Let them carry out God's sentence against the nations. That will bring glory. Oh, this is from NIRV. Let me read it from the NIV. May the praise of God be in their mouths, a double-edged sword in their hands, to inflict vengeance on the nations, punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron, to carry out the sentence written against them, for this is the glory of all his faithful people. Praise the Lord. Daniel 6.15. You can look at it later. It says, once the kings, it, it, this was common amongst the kings of Persia, so it is written, so it shall be. Once the king speaks, there was no breaking the law. Which is why Daniel ended up in the lion's den. Because it was too late. So he had spoken, so he had written, so it was so it was spoken, so it will have to be. Once this king decrees something, you can take it to the bank and you can use it as legal writ. Um, you can use it as binding agreement. It cannot be broken. To break it would result in torment. The king doesn't rescind it. These are some of the keys of the kingdom. There are plenty more, but I just wanted to touch on some of these so you have an idea of how we can function, man. Any questions before we go on to communion? When I say the word communion, is it supposed to be a cue for someone to bring things up? We are going to have communion now. <laughs> Just so you guys know, we are really a very well-oiled machine. It's just that everything's breaking down today. Otherwise, this thing hums like... It is, right? Yeah. Morgan, how does it feel to be back among unfamiliar friends? Okay. It's good to have you back, man. Sometimes they eat and drink after the service, so you're welcome to stay. Yeah, and we stick to the time. Like by 2.30, we are out of here. Hey, are 16-year-olds allowed for young adults? Oh, the parents have to give consent? Okay, I'll work on the parents.
Hasn't? Sorry. No, I might pray over it and stuff like that. I'll call you back, uh, Manoj. Guys, uh, I read this somewhere and I thought it was so cool. That King's Pardon. King's Pardon. I mean, the, uh, the American president pardons. But King's Pardon. And a pardon is a powerful thing because it's irreversible. A pardon is a powerful thing because it's irreversible. Once a king has pardoned, that person is forever exonerated of the crime they committed, that they were previously judged for. Once a king pardons you, it's not like probation or parole. Huh? Probation, you still have restrictions like some of you do. But this is like a pardon where nothing is held against you. A pardon declares its recipient as innocent, as if the offense never occurred. And once you're pardoned, you're free to enjoy all the benefits and all the privileges of the kingdom. As we break bread today, I want you to remember that, that the king has pardoned you. The king has pardoned you for everything that you have done thus far. And, that, and this we cannot compute, but that you will do tomorrow and for the rest of your life. But... Every time I get to this place called pardon, it is such a refreshing start that I do not have to look back and feel the weight of the guilt and the dark cloud of condemnation. That others may throw my way, but the king has pardoned me and there is no accusation against me. And this kingdom is a blood-soaked kingdom. It's a blood-soaked kingdom. But it is not the blood of his enemies. It is the blood of the king. No kingdom like that exists. Usually you build a kingdom with the blood of your enemies. But here, it is a blood-soaked kingdom because it is the blood of the king. And so we all get a fresh start today, guys. All of us get a fresh start. As if I have not committed any offense. Previous judgments cancelled. They will not carry on into tomorrow. You do not have to worry about what are the consequences of what I did yesterday because he is mitigating even the consequences. He's already in your tomorrow fixing things so that you don't suffer the consequences of yesterday. It's a full pardon. It's not probation. It's not parole. Yeah? On the day he was betrayed, he took bread... And he broke it, he gave thanks, and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. I want you to walk so free. I want you to walk so free with me. I don't want you to have even an iota of suspicion of my heart towards you. I just want you to be so free and open. And does anyone know the song, Dancing in the Fields of Grace? You know it a little? Come up. Come up, Brandon. Yeah. To sing it, I'll sing with you. Yeah. There's this idea that God wants us to invite God wants to invite us into where you dance dancing in the Father's fields of grace. Where there is I, I want you to be free of 
any suspicion you have in your heart towards me that I'm holding anything against you because as a king, I'm fully pardoning you. Big Daddy Weave. If you want to pull it up in your phones, it's by a group called Big Daddy Weave. Don't be offended by the name. He's, they're still okay. Um, yeah. Okay. There's a place that I, I love to run and play. There's a place that I sing new songs of praise. Dancing, Dancing with, with my father, father in fields of You've got grace. to jump on that one. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so start again. There's a place that I love to run and play. There's a place that I sing new songs of praise. Dancing with my father's in fields of in grace. Fields of grace. One more time. <laughs> Dancing, Dancing with, with my father, father and God in fields, in fields of, of grace. There's, There's a place that I lose myself within. There's a place that I find myself again. Dancing with my father and God in fields of grace. Can we do it only once from now on? There's a place where religion finally dies. There's a place where I lose my selfish pride. Dancing with my father, God, in, in fields of grace. What are you sitting for? Okay, can we put the words up? There's a place that I love to run and play. Guys, this is what he's inviting us to. There's a place that I see. Oh, let's start one last time. There's, There's a, a place, place that I love to run and play. There's a place that I sing new songs of praise. Dancing with my Father God in fields of grace. Dancing with my Father God in fields of grace. Place that I lose myself within. There's a place that I find myself again. Dancing with my Father God in fields of grace. Dancing with my Father God in fields of grace. There's a place where religion finally dies. There's a place that I lose my selfish pride. Dancing with my Father God in fields of grace. Dancing with my Father God in fields of grace. How does this next line go? Okay, that's enough. This is what he's inviting us to. I'm not trying to make this childish. I'm not trying to make this some kind of fun experience. I'm just asking that you realize that throughout this week, he wants you to remember the simple line. I'm calling you out to fields of grace, fully pardoned. I am king. I have decided so. So you can walk with me through this week with no suspicion, with no suspicion of my heart towards you. Not a cloud in my heart towards you, Jacob. So dance with me. 
So he broke bread. He gave thanks and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Manoj, come. Hey, Brandon, well done. It's very hard to come out here and sing like that, man. Grab the cup too, guys. And we'll pray for the cup and then we'll drink. Dancing in the Father's, dancing with my Father God in fields of grace. Dancing with my Father God in fields of grace. Do we need more? Yeah. May, I'm going to ask you to come up and pray for me before the service ends, so in case I go. I have a strong feeling I'll be going. Father, this week, every time we suspect your heart or intent towards us, please help us to remember the song. The same in so many times, circumstances force us into that place where we're not sure of what your intent is towards us, the suspicion. So, Father, in the same manner, after supper, your son took the cup and he gave thanks and he said, um, this is my blood with which I write a new agreement with you. My father will be your father. I'm king and I fully pardon you. Thank you for a fresh start for the rest of the month, rest of my life, rest of the week, rest of the day. Thank you, Jesus. So we lift our glasses to you. And we say, Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for the security of the kingdom. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you so much. 
Anyone wants to burst into a song, feel free. Anyone else? Thank you, Jane. Amen. Anyone else? Songs that burst from your heart. Hallelujah. Your presence is heaven to me. Beautiful. Unto you, the slain and risen King, we lift our hearts to heaven, singing, Worthy are you, Lord. Anyone else? So, Father, be blessed by our hearts as we drink this to the honor of your Son and for the covenant that you made with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come, May. Oh, shucks, forgot the bread. It's okay. Forgive me, Father. <laughs> Let's eat the bread. There's a mic missing. Oh, it's there. So May is going to pray for me because assuming I'm going, I don't want to go in my own name, but sent by you guys in the name of Jesus. I just got a text from the guys in Houston saying they're figuring out how to do things. So let's just pray that COVID has caused the U.S. to become a nation that we are going into, which had never happened in the last 15 years. So may, may churches now begin to mushroom there too. Yep, go ahead, man. Father, nothing can stop your plans, even COVID. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I say these things in full trust that you will be taking care of them. I pray that there will be no delay in flights for Jacob. Huh. Um, no border barriers, no test barriers, Father. Thank you, Father. These things are already in your hands and already taken Hallelujah. care of because Satan can't thwart your plans, Father. Yeah. COVID can't thwart your plans. Yeah. Um, so instead, Father, I just want to focus on what you're sending Jacob to do, Father. Mm. Um, in New York, Houston, and even in L.A., I, I actually just don't doubt that these three cities will happen, that you are sending him, Thank him you, through us, Father. Yeah. Um, so, Father, um, I just pray that in this time, Father, that um, Jacob will really experience your wisdom, mm. Father, for these 
um, three different places in these three different churches. Just experience an outpouring of your wisdom over him um, mm. as there are deci important decisions to be made and things that need to be pointed out, Father. Mm. So I just um, bless him with your wisdom upon Thank him. You, and he really experienced this um, over the next coming days. Yeah. Um, in the yeah, in the areas where big decisions need to be made. So yeah, we send him, Father. Um, bless him. Um, it will be smooth sailing, and we look forward to the stories that he has to share with us that just really glorify who you are. Yeah. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, May. Alrighty, guys. I'll either see you in two weeks or I'll see you in three weeks, depending on what happens when I come back. But I'll be zooming in on Sundays, so uh, please turn up.